This is Jewish Board Talk with Sharice Zephard, only on 101.9 High FM. Asymmetrical warfare, proportional responses, hacking, the role of AI in war, precision targeting. These are all terms that are being bandied about people, bandied about by people, including journalists, who have seemingly become specialists on the Israeli Hamas war. Because it is such an important topic, I thought it would be useful to get real experts on military warfare in as my guests so we can unpack exactly what is happening in this conflict. I'm therefore absolutely delighted to have Professor Eva Kleinhans and Dr. David Katz, both at the University of Stellenbosch and both authors of books on the history of military warfare, as my guests now to unpack what we're witnessing in the war. Um, Professor and Dr. Welcome and thanks so much for joining me. Thanks so much for the opportunity. Great to be here. Uh, thank you very much. Um, so let's start off with both of your experts on African war in Africa. How many wars are there currently in Africa? That's a damn good question. I've got to <laughs> add it up. You took me unawares over there. Um, I'll tell you something interesting about Africa. Is there are very few interstate walls in Africa. In fact, you can count them on half of your hand. I think there's been three, if I'm not mistaken. I can't even name them off the top of my head. But one of the few continents in the world where there's very few interstate uh, battles, but a lot of civil war type things. So at the moment, uh, you're closer to home, you have the conflagration in, in northern Mozambique. Mm. Which is quite a serious matter, and we are deployed there to uh, to, to transport that matters together with other other SADC countries, etc. Um, where else, Everett? Where some hotspots? DRC. Yeah, yeah. Is that civil as well? Yes. <laughs> it's a complicated. Well, there's outside mess, influences, yeah. is there not? So yeah. you, you've got the Rwandans uh, interfering over there, so and there's the infantry yeah, rebels. And yeah, and you've yeah. got you've got uh, our friend Bogosian's uh, bunch uh, yeah. also getting involved over there, yeah. the Wagner Group. Yeah. So there are a lot of different influences from different areas yeah. in DRC, and South Africa's deployed there also, yeah. trying to uh, undertake peace enforcement. Sudan's, uh, well, northern Sudan at least yes. as well now. I suppose the reason I ask is that. You know, we're going to co- concentrate now on kind of the Ukrainian war with Russia and the Hamas-Gaza war. Yes. And it somehow feels like, do we prioritize other wars over the ones in our own continent? Without a doubt. Mm. Uh, yeah, some of them make the news headlines, some don't. Without a doubt. I mean, there's wars that have been going on for years and years, which yeah. don't even make the headlines anymore. I mean, have a look how Ukraine has been knocked off mm. uh, yeah. the top of the news no, bulletin no, since the Gaza. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And I think, I, I'm sure Putin's delighted with it, it uh, sure. that the tension's been taken off the Ukraine. <laughs> so, people have got short memories. And sometimes people have got no memory whatsoever you know, regarding warfare. So, there are wars that have been going on for years and years that people don't even speak about, mm. I'm sure. So, mm-hmm. so let's look. Let's look at the history of war. Okay, obviously it has evolved. Oh. Now, when, it, when I first saw the Ukraine-Russian war, remember it was on our screens like all the time. My first image was a whole line of Russian tanks at the border, and I was quite surprised because I thought maybe war today would be fought differently from wars previously. Is that the case with the Russian-Ukraine war? I think it's evolved the Russian-Ukraine war. You know, I teach a module at uh, at one of our military colleges, and it's called the immutable, immutable concepts of warfare. Mutable meaning things that it doesn't change. So I teach all the things that don't change over time, over eons, over thousands of years with the warfare. There, there's there's a set of doctrine that hasn't changed over all those times. So some things change, and other things changed uh, at a slower pace, and some things change very rapidly. 
And the Russian-Ukraine war, besides some of some of it, a great portion of it, being fought the way wars always mm. used to be fought, a great uh-huh. portion of it is exactly like that. Uh, it started off a little bit differently. People were very involved with the high-tech aspect of it, especially the drone warfare and the role of artillery and that type of thing. And it's it's sort of gone back to basics now. It's mm. changed. The war's actually evolved. It's become more like trench warfare. Mm. Static, like the First World War, almost. Yeah, absolutely, like yeah. a static warfare in the First World War with a couple of high-tech things going on, like the drones and that mm. type of thing, adding a certain aspect. But mm. uh, you know, the more things change, a, a lot of it stays the same also. So I, think, I think you see it a lot with these conflicts where they, they morph. They, they might start out much more conventional in nature. You know, the tanks and big armor divisions and, you know, people trying to maneuver and use mobility. But, uh, you know, when it, when it sort of bogs down and the front line becomes static and, uh, we, we see a shift often. And, uh, and I think, I mean, um, what we're going to be talking about a bit later in, in, in Gaza as well now. I mean, you, you have high intensity operations, but it's somewhere along the line it changes. It switches and it becomes often much more counterinsurgency type, irregular, asymmetric. Um, so I think you, with a lot of these conflicts, you can definitely see that, uh, how it morphs from, from high intensity to more low intensity. Well, I mean, it depends on where you are on the battlefield, what the intensity is like. I mean, they might call it low intensity, but you, if you're on the front line and the receiving end is definitely yeah. not low. So uh, we're going to take a quick break. And after the break, we're going to go straight into the Hamas-Israel uh, uh, war. This is Jewish Board Talk with Sharif Zephard, only on 101.9 High FM. And I'm talking to Professor Evert Kleinhans and Dr. David Katz, and we're talking all things military. Let's go straight to the Hamas-Israel uh, war. Firstly, is it unprecedented that one side is fighting against another side where there are tunnels, almost like a city of tunnels, from which this war is being gained? Uh, no, it's not unprecedented. Um, there's a lot of there's a lot of historical uh, precedent mm-hmm. over. Of a fighting a three-dimensional war, let's put it that way. Now, urban warfare is is, is quite specialised by the fact that it is three-dimensional. So mm. you've got the underground dimension, you've got the dimension on the ground, and then you've got the high-rise dimension. So let's just take one example because we can go through a hell of a lot. But let's just take one very, very famous example of an urban warfare that that was fought underground also, which was Stalingrad mm. uh, back in back in 1942, stroke 43. Um, where there was a vicious war that was fought in the tunnels and the sewers. Uh, it, they weren't built for a specific purpose. So I suppose the distinction between what we're seeing in Gaza and what we had in Stalingrad mm. was that in Stalingrad you had underground railway lines and you had the sewer system mixed in the water system, and that's where they, a large part of the warfare took place. Whereas in Gaza, Hamas has specifically gone there and created hundreds of kilometers of underground tunnels which is um, which gives them an advantage on the defensive. Uh, so that's that's why they did it. But there's certainly precedent. It's not something new. And in terms of um, asymmetrical warfare, what what are we seeing? Can you unpack that? I think I mean, coming from a, a guy who focuses on South African Second World War history, I think what we see. I mean, we have the two opposing sides, and 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 definitely there is asymmetry involved. Um, I think you have the Israeli defense forces on the one side that's geared as a conventional uh, defense force. Uh, it's got the makings and, you know, the equipment of it. And on the other hand, you've got a, a an irregular opponent who, it, who's uh, 
whose makeup is not the same. It's 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 almost a light infantry type. I mean, we have the standoff bombardments, we have the underground tunnels, um, and it's it's far more difficult to um, operate against an irregular opponent because. The one moment he's um, he's a fighter, and the next moment he's blending in with uh, the people around you, and I think it makes it very, very, very difficult. And I think I mean Gaza is is, is a clear example of this. Um, it, it's it's you don't have a defined enemy per se. There's not an enemy tank out there that you can hit. Um, you you are hoping to to eliminate a leader, but by doing that, you know you have to. I mean, there's collateral damage that comes with that, and I think it's very difficult in irregular warfare to sort of make that distinction. Yeah, just to add to that, I mean, another one was Vietnam. If you're looking at uh, an example of tunneling, the Vietnamese were were uh, mm. brilliant at their tunnel systems, not as uh, sophisticated as what we see now in in Gaza. But uh, it actually it, it's actually worked to the advantage of Vietnamese that it wasn't that sophisticated because you had to send a single man down there to crawl through these tunnels to go and wheedle out whoever was uh, sitting there. So no, there certainly is precedent about it. Uh, I think what's also unique in, in in Gaza is the extent of the civilians mm. that are still present yeah. in in the zone of warfare. I think that I don't even think in, in, in Stalingrad uh, the the the, uh, the the Russians and the Germans conf- uh, uh, had had such a huge civilian population yeah. at that time. So you've got that also, which is a difficulty. Yeah. So I mean, when people talk about asymmetrical, you're talking about different warfares, um, but we we it's also the amount of. I, I, I don't know how to express it. I'm hoping you can. Help I think it's me. I think it's firepower. If you can look at it simply simply as this, it's the amount of firepower the opposing sides can bring to bear on a critical point. So asymmetrical being this is that the Israelis are able to bring a massive amount of firepower mm-hmm. onto a single critical point. Uh, yeah. The weight of firepower far outnumbering anything that Hamas can bring to bear at that critical point. That is a sign of asymmetrical warfare, is that the one side is totally outclassed, mm. outclassed in the amount of firepower it can bring to bear. Yeah. So they, in order for them to, 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 to flatten the odds, they will, they will fight in urban areas using civilian, civilian population, using underground, uh, yeah. uh tunnels, um, uh, using the rubble, uh, the knowledge of the area that they're in, the support of the local population, etc., cetera, etc., cetera, to level the playing field between a side that is more conventionally orientated, that has a lot more firepower, and the side that is, uh, is is more irregular orientated. So let's talk about that irregular. And I'm not here talking about um, intelligence, but irregular in terms of the attack that Hamas launched on Israel on the seventh didn't seem particularly irregular or unsophisticated or undeveloped no we, we, we what we're saying is irregular warfare is 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 uh, you, you've got a distinction of, of conventional warfare let's put it that way conventional with two opposing sides will fight each other's armies mm. and the civilians uh, I mean of course there's exceptions in the, in, the, in the era of total war now you you, the, the, you you can't totally exclude the civilians but it's one conventional army against yes. another conventional army such as in 1973 yes. against the Egyptians yes. it was a conventional army against a conventional army irregular makes use of exactly what I'm telling you what I'm telling yes. all the irregular uh, uh, resources at their disposal in order to, 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 to balance the odds. Yeah. So Hiding behind civilians, occupying buildings, going underground, terrorizing, uh, the uh, opposing our population. I understand that. What I'm asking is the, the, um, the sophistication of the attack by Hamas on Israel. 
on that one day. Yes. Mm. Highly sophisticated. That, that was Very not, that was not unconventional. Planned, well planned. That through, was, yeah, yeah th- that's my point. Don't get the terminology mixed up. It was not unsophisticated. <laughs> yeah. It was, it was most probably irregular. It wasn't conventional in the mm. true sense of what conventional war is okay. all about. Yeah. It was, a, it was aimed against civilians yes. to cause as much disruption yes. to get hostages. Yeah. Yes. This is not something that conventional forces do. It, but yes. was the intelligence behind it? Absolutely. Sophisticated intelligence? Yes. Absolutely. Was it conducted in a sophisticated manner, in a, in a, in a small combined arms manner? They had a little air force going uh, with paragliders. Uh, they had ground force guys on motorbikes and, and, and whatever. So this was a very well planned, yes. well executed operation. They took months, if not years, to put together. Yes. Yeah. Absolutely. Yes. And yes. the training that went behind yes. it, you can imagine. Yes. Yeah. Yes. No, so it wasn't, so, a, it, it wasn't an, an unsophisticated no, no. one sort of yes, fluke. No. Yes, no. Which means that the training they have is, is sophisticated training. Absolutely. We're not seeing people hiding behind civilians with bows and arrows and attacking. No, 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 absolutely no, no, absolutely not. No, no, no. Sorry, that no. was a bad example. Yeah, no. But, uh, no, these guys are using very up-to-date uh, uh, weapons in order, and to take out Israeli tanks, they've got, they've got one, uh, a mine that they put on that can go through the, uh, tons of uh, uh, millimeters of armor. That type. They're using sophisticated weaponry, but still the firepower is not the same. That is the difference. That is the, the, the mm. distinction. So let's now look at Israeli um, prowess. Okay, what does Israel have that we haven't seen in wars before that they are using now to fight? Sure. That's a, that's a good question. I think, well, I think I just wanted to, just to add to Dave what we were talking about. I think we're interesting with the IDF as well. It operates in all the different, um, domains of war where Hamas doesn't necessarily do the same. I mean, the, the Israelis have got, uh, ground assets, aerial assets, naval assets, and a whole bunch of different, um, uh, assets that they could call upon. Where Hamas, as David was saying, even though they had the little rudimentary air element for, I mean, after the seventh and up to now, there's, they've only operating in one domain, and that's the landward domain. They, uh, I mean, and even the subterranean, if you want to add it. But I think, I mean, w- w- what the Israeli, what the Israeli defense force brings to the table now, it's, um, you know, it's it's high intensity operations. We waited for a bit until it, uh, you know, they went over into into actual. Uh, Invasion mode, almost if you want to call it that, or, or uh, high intensity operations, but they've saturated it, they prepared the area, because of course, as David mentioned, moving into an urban area is always difficult. Um, urban, urban warfare, urban areas are notoriously difficult. Um, it takes, it takes infantry soldiers, it takes combat engineers, it takes armor, it takes whatever you want to put down, but they've got to physically move through and clear building for building, and if there's a tunnel, what do you do? You've got to get into the tunnel. You've got to chuck something down the tunnel. So I think, uh, and that's where we're seeing the change now, um, moving systematically through Gaza. Um, this is um, obviously much more difficult. And it's difficult because it affects your manpower and your personnel because it's, it's, uh, it's, it's arguably one of the most more difficult forms of warfare because of the nature of the irregular conflict and your opponent. Okay, after the break, we're going to look at AI and hacking. This is Jewish Board Talk with Sharice Zephard, only on 101.9 High FM. And I'm talking to Professor Evert Kleinhans and Dr. David Katz, and they are military experts. Um, 
Dr. Kath, you wanted to comment a little bit about uh, what we were talking about before the break. Yes, I just wanted to add about what the Israelis have had to do. Um, let's talk a little bit about Israeli military doctrine. Israel comes from a maneuverist type of a doctrine um, whereby they are very sensitive to attritional type of warfare. They would rather maneuver than sit down in static positions and lose men needlessly trying to remove the enemy from certain positions that already outmaneuver them and remove them that way. So that's a that's the type of warfare they come from, um, where they're very sensitive to casualties. Uh, we could see that in 73 also. They don't, they're not there to fight long wars. Uh, the October War was three, four weeks. That was already too long for Israel. This one's already gone on for longer than, than the October War. So the Israelis have had to reinvent themselves to a certain extent to now change from a maneuver-style warfare, conventional you know, uh, mm-hmm. going across uh, the deserts where there's no cover, there's no concealment, there's no there's no civilians. Now they're exactly on the opposite, and they have to fight an attritional type of battle and take and take casualties uh, more so than they would have been prepared to under normal conventional circumstances. So they've had to adapt themselves to this new style of warfare, and they've done so very well uh, up to this point. I see the casualties, if you can believe the figures coming out, are not as high as were were expected. They've conquered quite a lot of territory, and they've adapted to this attritional type of warfare quite well. So from a military perspective, do you think Israel's doing well? I think from a purely military point of view that they – I honestly didn't believe that they had the willpower to do what they're doing. I didn't see them them entering – I thought they would be standoff. And rather, and rather minimize their casualties with bombing and that type of thing. But they've put boots on the ground and they've gone in there and they're occupying territory and they're staying put. So I think, I think it's, it's, it's not traditionally part of their doctrine. They've thought out of their box from a doctrinal point of view. And I think, yes, they are doing, they are doing quite well at what they're doing. AI, the role AI has played in this war. I think, uh, yeah, AI, as we've mentioned to one another, AI and, of course, um, social media, propaganda, if you link them all to one another, it's, uh, it's a volatile mixture. And it, it's changed a lot. I mean, if we've reflected now on the Second World War in, in the last few minutes as well, you know, um, back then to, to receive news about war, you had to wait for the newspaper to get back to mm. you. It could be weeks. If you're sitting in South Africa to read about something that maybe happened uh, in Northern Europe, um, now there's an immediacy. To this war, and we feel it, and we see it every day. If you go into Facebook, mm. if you go into TikTok, or mm. whatever, mm. and and it makes it real mm. um, because you can see it, and you can see it. You almost see it from both perspectives mm. because you see it from the Israeli side and as well from the from the Palestinian side. And I think that makes uh, the war far more complex yeah. and complicated mm. um, because how do you how do you control your soldiers under your command with what they are capturing and what they are putting out there into the metaverse? Um, you're making an important. I just, I just want to add it because you're making an important point. Yeah. If war is fought on three different levels: strategic, mm. operational, and tactical, yeah. and all of a sudden, because of because of media, the the war at the tactical level can become very, very strategic. If the if the Israelis do something at the tactical level, uh, because of the immediacy of it, it can become a strategic problem. Can, yeah. And we've seen this a lot of times with the media. So you, you've got to train your soldiers down on the ground. They just want to fight a war and mm. survive for the day. You've got to train them to be diplomats and uh, politicians because they can't do what they normally do in a, in, in, in a conventional warfare. They have to be very, very careful at the tactical level. Yeah. Just wanted to it's add that. It's really hectic. Um, okay. Oh, Craig, one more minute. Uh, hacking. The role of hacking in a war. 
Yeah, I think um, um, that'll be the last question. <laughs> added to added to this volatile mixture, of course, hacking and um, cyber attacks in general m- makes war far more complicated. Mm-hmm. I mean, it, it almost adds another domain to the war that you have to sort of uh, prepare for. And if you don't have good counterintelligence or intelligence, um, then yeah. It's, it's, it's a volatile mixture and it's very, very difficult, but I think we'll so have to leave I, it I there. thought that we'd have enough time, but we have to, have to, have to cut it. If you want a very, very quickly, a, a reliable source to, to, to watch before Craig cuts me off. That is such a difficult question. Okay. I can't even answer no, okay. it. Okay, so we'll leave it there. Okay, we'll leave it there. Well, t- both of you, thank you so much. Thank that you. is uh, Professor Clanhans and Dr. Katz, military experts. We'll have to do it again. Thank you so much for coming in, and thank you to all of you for joining me. Thanks to Craig for putting the show together. If there's anything on the show you'd like to comment on, you're always welcome to send me an email on Therese at sajbd.org. Otherwise, all that remains for me to do is to wish you all Shabbat Shalom.